I believe the Holy Spirit has something for us to hear this morning that should, could be life-changing for you if, as the Apostle Paul once said, or actually it might have been Jesus that said, if you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. That's what we need this morning. Give us ears to hear what you're saying this morning, Lord, by your Spirit. The Word is supernatural. It was given by inspiration, and it comes by inspiration. It's given by inspiration, and it comes by inspiration to our hearts. It gets somehow able to penetrate beyond the mind and get into our hearts. And, <clears throat> excuse me, when that happens, then our hearts actually change. And you're being directed and led by your heart, believe it or not. You do everything that you do based on what's in your heart. Remember, he says everything, even what you say comes out of the abundance of your heart. <clears throat> so God's after your heart this morning, not just your head. And I hope to show you something in the scriptures this morning that can be revelatory to us in a way that literally changes something in us that changes uh, how we begin to live life, how we begin to do things. In 1950, Florence Chadwick crossed the English Channel in record time, and the next year she crossed in the other direction. In 1952, she attempted to swim the 26 miles uh, from Catalina Island to California. But after 15 hours, a thick fog set in, causing her to begin to doubt her ability to complete her course. After telling her mother she didn't think she could make it, she swam for another hour, still unable to see the coastline due to the fog. She stopped swimming. It wasn't until she got into the boat that she learned that the shore was less than a half a mile away. At that news conference, she said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Two months later, she tried again, but this time, when the thick fog set in, she continued to swim because she focused on her goal, the shore. We all experience dense fog from time to time for a variety of reasons, and it becomes difficult to fix our eyes on our goal. This morning, I want to clear some fog from our eyes. I want us to be able to see beyond the natural. I want us to be able to see beyond what we're hearing and all the many voices and, and all the things, the chitter and the chatter that's going on around us and get some fog cleared. If you're a candidate for that, let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you this morning that your word is powerful. It's able to break down things inside of us that we don't even know are blocking the revelation of God from coming into our hearts. I'm believing today the fog will be blown away, the eyes of our understanding will be open, and your word would, Lord, teach us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. The title of the series is Why? Why? We started last 
week by talking about why do the heathen rage and plot a vain thing. And we talked a little bit. If you didn't hear it, please listen to it. I really feel it's the Holy Spirit speaking. Um, why do you plot a, blank, a vain thing? And, and it goes on to say that God's sitting back laughing. You don't need to stress when God laughs, okay? <laughs> if he's laughing and not stressing, which he's not, he's not sitting on the throne wringing his fingers wondering if his plan is going to work out. Nope, 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 nope. Jesus is actually up there next to him at the right hand of God praying that you will jump in and be a part of what God's doing because you have that opportunity. It's about more than just being saved, isn't it? It's about fulfilling the will of your Father. And there's this thing that's happening in the body of Christ now that we just need to jump on and begin to realize it is God speaking and hear him above everything else. And so today, why, part two, why are we here? Why are you here? Wouldn't it have been so much nicer just to, you know, once you finally accepted Jesus, just to get translated right into heaven and get out of all this and, and so forth? Uh, you know, it sounds good, but you're here for a purpose. And I believe that that purpose is going to be exposed and revealed like never before in our day. I, I want to say this. I was actually embarrassed, and we probably should all have been embarrassed, when... I was looking for hand sanitizer back when this all started and, I, and when, the, when all the churches were shut down and all the businesses were shut down and what they were saying was we only want the essential things open. And I was embarrassed because I couldn't find hand cleaner or hand sanitizer. And so in the research, the guy that gets our supplies says, well, you know, you can call the liquor stores. They're making it now. Wow. They are, and they were, they are. Okay, and uh, whatever you don't use by the end of this, you can drink, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know what their goal was, but it was 80 proof or 100 proof or something. Uh, so, so I, but I, I went there, but when I went to their website to see if they actually had it, I, I was struck when on their website it says, we are open, this is Lucas, Lucas uh, Liquor Store, Lucas Liquor and Wine, I think it is, store, it says, we are, we are open, we are essential. That's exactly, it's not, I went to look last night, it's not on there now, but that's exactly what they said when this got started. And it hit me in the heart and I thought, wow, is that not proof of where we're at in America? And, and I'm not sure which way to look at that. You know, is it that maybe the church isn't been quite as essential? Or is it just the, the, the enemy's plot? And it may be a little bit of both. But I, again, I was just embarrassed. And I thought, wow, what a crazy thing. And to have that term and, 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 and then to, to cover our mouths. Okay? And to, to do things that, you know, like, come on, help us out, Lord, in this thing. And I think that we would all agree that right now, and, and, and again, I just, I'm not uh, slamming anybody wearing masks. I think that's perfectly fine if that's what you choose to do. You, you have that freedom here. We're not a judgment zone. And, uh, and there's lots of different reasons. And, and, and we want to be careful not to be a judgment zone. But, but I think we would all agree upon uh, this, that there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of confusion, and there's a lot of division happening across our nation because of this. Generally, when there's a crisis, we used to all rally together to help each other and love each other. 
But it doesn't appear that that's happening these days. It seems like something else is happening. And, 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 and as I've been thinking about this and, and praying about this, you know, what does God say about those three areas? And I just want to take a brief second. I'm not going to take a lot on this. I think we probably all know most of these scriptures. We know most of these principles. But I wanted to remind you of them before I step into the next phase of this message. Fear. We know that fear is a spirit, right? The Bible's very clear it's a spirit, the spirit of fear. That means it can somehow, lack of better terms, so I don't have better terms, it can somehow jump on you all of a sudden, boom. Have anybody experienced instant fear when maybe you didn't need to? You know, sometimes at night you wake up and you just wake up and you just feel this fearful thing happening and, and you don't know where it came from and why it's there, but you have a hard time shaking it. But as a believer, I've found if I get up and pray, that it just gets away. It, go, it goes as quick as it came. And we know that 1 Timothy says this about fear, and I, and I want to remind us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's actually given us power, love, and a sound mind. The problem with fear is, though, that it's, it's contagious and you can catch it if you're not careful, if you don't recognize what God's Word says. 1 John 4.18, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. And, and I, I just would challenge you to maybe take that very verse and just begin to uh, meditate on it and, and, and maybe try to say, Lord, what does that really mean that, that perfect love casts out fear? How can we tap into that truth? Psalms 22 and verse 28, for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Oh, come on, that was worth an amen in this time. Come on, isn't that awesome? The Lord, remember in Psalms chapter 2, the Lord laughs at, at the enemy's plot against the, 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 the earth and, and against his anointed. He laughs about that. For dominion belongs to the Lord. Who does dominion belong to? And he rules over what? Nations, plural. He rules over it all. We, never, uh, we should never forget the sovereignty of God. It, it's not, we're not just living this out-of-control thing that, again, God's not sitting up there worried about everything and rubbing his hands. He, he's a sovereign God, and he rules over all the nations. But I hope to show you something today that will maybe make a difference for you. The third word that I mentioned, that, uh, or the second word, was confusion. Confusion. It's the instability or state of disorder. It's something that just kind of, your mind just swirls and you kind of like, man, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And, and I think today, again, there's confusion. It's going both in the church and outside of the church. It just seems like we have a lot. How many are hearing a lot of different stories about a lot of different things that are going on right now? Both in the church and outside of the church, both the world and and the church are, we all have a gazillion different stories about this. It's confusion. Now let's look at this word for just a second. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of confusion. Now that tells me, as I even read that, that tells me 
that as soon as I begin to feel a confusion about something, that I have to understand one thing. It's not coming from God. We've got to catch this thing. He's given us the discerning of the Spirit so we can discern when we hear all these reports. They all, they're all factual, right? <laughs> they all have their facts. But we can discern what's right and what's wrong and what source it's coming from. Believe me, in the days ahead, in the days ahead that's all you're going to be able to depend on is what is the Spirit leading you toward? Man, I'm telling you, I cannot believe the amount of reports that are out there. And especially when it comes right down to the COVID-19, there are so many reports. And there's our, our uh, what's his title, uh, Fauci's title, what's his title? He's the head over uh, all medical stuff in the United States. What's that? Well, yeah, he's, over, uh, he's over the medical stuff. What's his title? Does let me know? <laughs> but we have him a, a, a month ago saying, you know, masks, you don't need them. But now all of a sudden you do. We have other people coming back and forth. You need them or this mask isn't any good and that one isn't. I mean, you've got all these reports coming. What do we do? I'm just trying to be open with you. I'm not dogging masks whatsoever. But I'm just telling you, there's so much confusion around it that we have to step back and get a discerning of the Spirit so we're not led all over the place with this thing. For God is not a God of confusion, but of what? Peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Tom Peter says this, if you're not confused, you're not paying attention. I kind of got a chuckle out of that. I don't know how true that is. And if you're paying attention, you are confused. Peace is just an exemption from the rage and the havoc of war. It's basically removing that. And we're learning now how do we be, how do we be led by the Spirit? How do I walk in the Spirit? How do I learn how to... You know, they have a zone that you get into in sports. How do I get into the zone of God, the peace of God, so that I'm not running all over the place? And I'm not in, in my own self being ex, exhausted by it all. The third word is division. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions, wow, in the church? No way, come on. Have you ever heard a division on Facebook in the church? No. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. The word actually uh, in the Greek uh, for divisions is, is schisma, and it literally means uh, dissensions or rants. <laughs> <laughs> You're hearing a lot of rants online. And I'm thinking, you know, the Lord's saying, don't bring that into the church. You're the church. Are you bringing it into you? You just brought it into the church. Now, I'm guilty of this, but I'm really working on it. Because <laughs> it's hard not to sometimes. It's hard not to jump in and say something. But if you start reading what you're saying, you'll begin to realize or, or agreeing with what somebody else is saying because it's a kind of a nice little quippy way of saying things. 
then you're going to end up being involved in that. And you're going to be a part of that ranting, that division. And I know this is hard, but it's just the reality. I'm just reading the Bible, and it says, don't be involved. Let there be no divisions in the church. And we're seeing right now among the church, we're seeing a lot of divisions concerning all of this. How many know that's true? You know, so, I'm just, so I'm just telling us, let's be careful with fear. Let's be careful when confusion's there. And, 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 and make sure that we're careful when division's there. And let's not jump into that. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. Can we do that? I mean, I think we can do that. You, there's enough. You should have enough ammunition to speak the truth in love. If you shouldn't, then you shouldn't speak, probably. Let's see. Is there an old saying? If you can't say something good, <laughs> don't say anything at all. And I'm not saying that we should be silent, because I think that's ridiculous that we would be silent. I'm just saying don't get in on rants. And let's not be mean-spirited about this thing. Why? Because we want God's favor on what we do post and what we do say and what we do text. Come on. That's what we want. We want his favor. And I guarantee God does not jump in on what I do wrong. If I do it wrong, he steps aside. And he says, okay, I guess you're on your own. I asked you not to create division, and you're doing it. So now you're on your own. I remember one of our teachers used to say, you know, uh, the freeway speed closest to us there was 55 miles an hour. And he says, I just want you to know, once you pass 55, the Holy Spirit gets out of your car. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that, thankfully, <laughs> but I've proved it a few times even maybe. But anyway, uh, you know what I mean? We, we, we just, he doesn't join us when we're wrong. That's all there is to it. He, he actually steps back. He says, okay, you're on your own. You're doing, it your own, you're doing your own thing the wrong way. He doesn't support those things. But God has shown us this, and this is what I want to just take a few minutes on this morning, uh, and and then we're going to pray. But I want you to catch this, because I think this is what I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to hear this morning, is this one area here, just this one thing that I'm about to say. The other stuff was just free. That was just for you. God has shown us from biblical times uh, uh, that Prayer can change the course of history. Prayer can change the course of history. Now, I'm wondering sometimes, by the way that I do hear rants, whether that we really believe that or not, but I want us to believe that. Uh, I want us to know that we can change history. I also want to remind you again, in case you've lost heart of about America, America was founded as a Christian nation. I just want to be very clear about that. How how could you not see that in our history? Now, we're not to glorify America above God. Please, please. But I just want you to know there's a plot against America, and I believe some of the reason is is because we are a Christian nation. Good, bad, or ugly, just like when you're good, bad, and ugly, you're still a Christian. Come on. Good, bad, or ugly, America was founded to have religious freedom so that you could worship your God just like we did this morning. How exciting is that? Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. And, and one guy wrote this. He said, when America's founding fathers were signing the Declaration of Independence, it could be argued that they were actually signing a Declaration of Dependence. 
as they chose to follow God and His will for the nation. Of course, over the next hundred years, you saw the, the nation prosper. That first hundred, just prosperity shot forth. And then we began to go astray. Uh, I, I wrote this down because uh, we've strayed for sure. We've strayed for sure. And now, in case you haven't heard, in case you just couldn't take the news one more day and you turned it off, <laughs> bless your spiritual heart probably. Uh, if you haven't heard, listen to this. I, I wrote down, uh, how, how, could we, how could we say we're not a, a Christian nation at start? But etched in marble on our remaining statues and monuments, we'll find God. We'll find Scripture etched in marble. It's not an easy task for the remaining statues and monuments. Printed on our money, if you haven't seen it lately, okay, in who? God we trust. And, and, and because they couldn't get that off of our money, now they're trying to get rid of the money and turn you to plastic only. So it's printed on our money. It's sung in our anthem. It's stated in our constitution. It's pledged in our allegiance when they do that. In God we trust. Good, bad, or ugly. I'm not saying America's perfect. I'm not saying America's even going in the right direction. Because we're obviously not. But I, I just want to say if, if the enemy has started to plant the seed in you that he's trying to plant in our culture and in the United States that you hate America and we need to do away with it and, and, and like the, the, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the councilwoman in Seattle just saying we want to get rid of it. We want to get rid of all of that. That's shit. They're blatantly saying it. So see, we don't have to guess anymore if something's going on around us. They're blatantly saying we want to get rid of that and we want to have socialism. And so we, we just need to, I'm just throwing that in for free because I want you <laughs> to not buy into these lies that there was never Christianity in America. It was founded on that. It was founded so that we could have freedom of religion. And so we just need to step back and shake off all the garbage that's come upon us that weakens us. See, that stuff just weakens you. As you listen to it, it weakens your, 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 your strength of belief. And, 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 and we, we, I think the church needs to be strong. And I think we just need to admit, look at all the facts that we've started this country as a Christian nation. And, and, and it won't hurt us to get back to that. And we see that the more... That we've, and factually speaking, the more we've taken God out of our schools, education, young, and the more we've taken Him out of our culture, guess how that's helping our culture? Come on. It's, it's, it's just, we just gotta see this, I think, sometimes. It's just, oh man, that's right, that's right, that's right. God, shake me, help me not to get. See, I don't wanna buy into the lies of the enemy on this journey. Uh, but we, we know that God is ultimately in control. And here's what I, I want you to catch this morning, just, in a, just a few more minutes here. I want you to catch the fact that your prayers can change the direction of the nation. And I want to show you this in Scripture, and I'm just going to give you three out of a many, uh, many examples 
of when prayer literally changed what was going on. So that we could make sure that as believers that we're going back and we're fighting our battle. This is how, I love this song, this is how we fight our battle. Come on. This is how we fight it. We don't fight it on Facebook. We don't fight it on tweets. We don't fight it by, with guns. Come on. And I'm not, I'm not for taking away guns. I think we should all be able to have them. We know why we were supposed to have them back then also, right? Come on. It was a keep from a crazy takeover of <laughs> unruly government. Let's just be real about what some of this stuff says and, and, not, and not fight it. But he's not called you to get your gun out to protect yourself. Because guess what? It won't happen. I wanted to get a picture of that big machine they got just across. I'm glad it's close to us, maybe. It's in the police station over there. It's just, it looks like an army tank. But it's for rioting or uh, you know, stuff that goes on in, the, in, in our city. And I'm thinking, wow, when that pulls up to your door, you could have all the guns you want. Come on. And it isn't going to do you one bit of good. <laughs> Hate to break the bad news to you. <laughs> they're going to let you shoot at it a few times, and then they're just going to run over the top of your house. <laughs> Come on. And again, I'm not against, this is not about guns. This isn't against guns. I, I, I believe that we should have, be able to have guns and carry them and so forth. But I, I don't want my trust to be in having a gun or even a bunch of guns. I, I heard somebody say re recently, in light of what's happening, they said, boy, you got to store up, as Christians, you got to store up guns, you got to store up bullets, you got to start a farm in your backyard so that you can grow your own food, and, and, and somehow threw in there your own pharmaceuticals. I mean, it's just like, really, this, you got to do all this stuff. And I, I just want to tell you, is it wise to have some extra food around the house? Obviously, yes. Come on. It's even wise, if I just give you a revelation, it's wise to have extra toilet paper. <laughs> we know that's how important that is in crisis, okay? It's wise to have some money saved. It's wise maybe even to have some cash in your house and not in the bank. If you if you're not feel safe with that, just give it to me, I'll store it for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is wisdom. Use wisdom. We have a whole book of wisdom. There's nothing wrong with that. But please, let's not lean into our dependence being on that. You need to learn how to trust in the supernatural. Because you know, we thought about that way back at that Y2K. I thought, wow, these people are storing up all this stuff. And guess what? Probably everybody in town knows they have it. <laughs> and I know where they're going to come and get it. So I had nothing, so they'd go over there and not my house get me for it. But anyway, let me just look at just a, a brief few examples of how prayers literally changed the direction and saved nations. Because I want you to pray those kind of prayers these days. And I think we're at the point where we do. I think we need to recognize that. I think we've allowed the idols to come into America. They've found their way comfortable, and now they're trying to take over. Okay, and, and I think we just need to see the reality of that. We don't need to get, remember, we're not supposed to fear. He's given us a spirit of fear, <clears throat> but he doesn't give us a spirit of sitting back and doing nothing either. <laughs> he wants us to do something. It's time for the church to come alive in prayer. So King Josiah is the first one, if you want to pull that one up there. King Josiah, uh, Babylon was 
had destroyed Jerusalem, and, and, and both his father and grandfather were both bad kings. Somehow he'd come out of it, probably his mom began to teach him how bad his father and grandfather was, <laughs> homeschooled him, and said, listen, this is what you should be doing. Do what is right in the sight of the Lord. And so Josiah does that. He starts at a very young age. At eight years old, he becomes the king. His father, his father gets uh, uh, murdered, and he becomes king. But I want you to just listen to this one part of the passage, and you can read some of the rest of it later on. But in, in, in chapter 34, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 27 and 28, God's coming back to answer his prayer, because he approaches God about this. And he says, God... What's going on? They're about to completely annihilate us. They got in, and now they're going to totally annihilate us. He goes to God, he prays, and he talks to God about it. And, you know, in verse 27, he reveals, or really, God reveals his true heart concerning this attack that was taking place. He says, Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard the words against this place and those who dwell here. And you have brought yourself low before me. You tore your clothes and you wept before me. Tearing their clothes was a sign of just re repentance and hum humbling themselves before God. It says, because you did that, I have heard you, declares the Lord. And I am bringing you to be <clears throat> with your fathers, and you will be brought to your grave in peace. In other words, you're going to live your life out in peace. You're not to experience, because it was even prophesied that they were going to be totally annihilated. But God here, because of his tender heart, and he humbled himself before God, and he began to cry out to the living God and just say, God, I repent. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm tearing my clothes. I'm repenting before you for the sin of our nation, and I'm asking you to have mercy on it. Now, can I just say this here? I'm not seeing a lot of that yet from the church. I'm seeing us be critical we're shooting at people, whether they're saved or unsaved. We're shooting at them. We're tearing them apart. But are we really crying out on behalf of the people? God, don't judge us. Don't judge us. And look at what it says here. He tore his clothes. I have heard you, declares the Lord, and I am bringing you to be with your fathers, and you will be brought to your grave in peace, and your eyes will not see all the disaster that I am bringing on this place and on those who dwell here. And so he withheld his judgment until after Josiah passed away. He changed the direction of that entire nation's outcome because somebody humbled themselves, and they prayed, and they sought the Lord. Look at Moses. On several occasions, of course, Moses vented his feelings about people. If you remember his stories, he was always complaining to God, and oftentimes he would come back to, uh, to God and just say, they're your people, God. But in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 10, it says this, uh, because he's crying out to God, and, and God's response to him is, let me alone that my wrath may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Did, I did you hear me right? God's saying this back to Moses. Moses is pleading now for the people because of the destruction that's about to come. And, and, and God's saying, no, just leave me alone. Back off. 
I'm going to destroy them. They have been so rotten. If you remember the story, uh, they came out of the wilderness. They went, and Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And while he was up there, remember, they built the golden calf and started worshiping it. And so it, 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 it says, you heard what God said. Believe it or not, God does talk like that sometimes. And in verse uh, uh, 32.12, Moses pleads with God to change his mind. He says, turn from your fierce wrath and relent of this harm against your people. And once again, God listened to him in his prayers. And look at verse 14. This is powerful. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Did you hear that dialogue? Moses fought for the people. He knew how bad they were. Remember, he got angry and threw the Ten Commandments down. But yet he didn't, when, when he realized what was about to happen, he stood in the gap for them. He fought for them. He got a tender heart all of a sudden. Why? Probably mostly because he realized how much God had forgiven him on his journey. <laughs> Remember how bad he was. Remember he killed somebody. And, and then he ran and hid from God for 40 years. And, and, and you know, so... So he did all these things, and yet he, I think maybe it just kind of struck him all of a sudden. You probably felt that before all of a sudden. you know. And I, I remember sometimes when I was uh, thinking about spanking my children for something they did, and, and, and as I kind of got closer, I'd kind of realized, oh, they probably saw me do that. <laughs> ah, that's where they got that. I better give them some grace. Come on, any other parents want to be honest here? Kids pick up your habits all the time. Anyway... But the Lord relented, and, and the New Living Translation says, so the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. See, I think sometimes we, uh, we forget that, that, that there is a limit on things, <laughs> but we can make a difference if we'll just humble ourselves and begin to pray. And I'm, I'm trying to tell you that's where our nation is today. Where are you at with it all? Are you mad at those evil, mean, sinful people that are nothing like you? That's racism, you know. Are you mad at those people? Are you angry with all of them? Or are you looking at them with some compassion? And I'm just telling you this because the Lord has really walked me through this. You know, I've been walked through this for a while, but it just came home again, you know, uh, and, 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 and I just had, had to, you know, just to say, wow, okay, God, you're right, it's there. I, I maybe don't have the best thoughts for them, which means I'm probably not praying prayers for them. I'm probably not really humbling myself and saying, God, don't kill them. I'm probably saying, kill them, God. You know what I mean? And, and, and God's saying, no, I don't want you to do that. God doesn't want anybody to perish. Did you know that? He doesn't want the Muslims to perish. He wants to save them. Amen. Come on. He doesn't want the evil people to perish. He wants to save them. And if I can just allow that stuff to, to settle in, and, and then I can begin to say, okay, God, help me out here. Help me to change my heart. Give me a better heart for what's going on around me so that I can be a part of changing a nation. 
Look at Hezekiah, 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 14 to 19. 2 Kings 19, 14 to 19. Israelites again are in a serious position. They're in danger. You know, there's been a lot of war already going on around them. They're getting a lot of carnage. They're being killed. All this stuff is happening to them. But listen to what uh, is being said here. Just listen to this. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, "O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubims, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear and hear and open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand and all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. So there's, again, an opportunity for a total takeover of the the believers of that day, the church of that day. And what happens? Somebody steps up to the plate. I, I kind of find it fascinating. I don't know if you talk to the Lord like Hezekiah does, but he kind of was coming on strong, wasn't he? <laughs> he was kind of like, hey, come on, open your eyes. Listen, this is what he's really what he's saying. He's getting serious about this thing because he knows that a lot of people are about to be destroyed. And I, I think it's, a, again, a, a model for us. So look at verse 20 now. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. And he totally changed the scenario. I'm saying this to us this morning as a church. How's your prayer going for what's happening around us? Are you caught up in all the bad guys? Or who they say are the bad guys? Are you caught up in all of the rhetoric? Are you caught up as Julie was singing in the news? You know, is that what I read above the Word of God? Or am I really, I think, getting more in the Word of God now than ever before and really calling out to God? And, 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 and I can change the heart and mind of God for our nation. I can change, you can change the heart and mind of God toward a nation. We really got to believe this like never before because he always hears the righteous, fervent prayer. Come on, the fervent prayer. In other words, the prayer has gotten beyond my mind. Remember the, uh, with, with Josiah, he says, man, I saw your heart. I saw your heart, and I think, wow, sometimes our, our, God wants to look at your heart and see how tender it is or has it gotten hardened over the course of the journey. Second Chronicles 7.14, we all know this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, this is something we got to do too. We got to get the sin out of the church. Come on, get the sin out of our lives. If we will uh, and turn from our wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will do what? I will heal their land. Wow. Come on, church. Come on. God's looking for a people that would rise up with compassion and, and, and with a, a desire. And, and he's looking for a people with an authority in their words. In other words, God, I know what I can do. 
your authority. Do you know that really Adam and Eve only lost their authority because of deception? It was way back then. It always was. He never took their authority away in the garden. He took them out of the garden to get them away from the presence of God, but he never took that authority to take over, to conquer. And, and, and that's why the New Testament is so full of, hey, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You have the authority. Jesus said it, man, I've given you this authority. Now, yes, at the cross, he weakened the, the ability of the enemy, no doubt. But you know something? He's always had the authority. That's why Hezekiah could pray that prayer and see that changed. That's why Moses could pray that prayer and see things change. That's why Josiah could see those prayers and see those things change. That's why Daniel could pray and see things change. That's why we see this throughout the scriptures. The authority's been there, but so is the deception. And God's trying to sweep that out of the church. But we're getting caught up in the wrong thing. We got to get back to the right thing. I love this. Jason Low Baxter, he's a theologian. He, he actually has been around, he died, I think, in 1999. It was recent. He said this here. He says, men may spurn our appeals. They may reject our message and oppose our arguments and despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Wow. Listen to this from Samuel Chadwick. He said this. One, the one concern of the devil is to keep saints from praying. He fears nothing from, a prayer, from our prayerless studies, our prayerless work, our prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and he mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles at our prayers. Church, you have the authority. You have the power. But we must position ourselves for this. We must be ready because we are in a battle and we must be ready to, to, to do what only really the church can do. Ephesians 6.12 as a reminder, we are not contending against flesh and blood but against the principalities and powers and against power and against the, the world rulers of this present darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And I, and I just want to say this. Prayer is more than just talking to God on a casual level. Prayer is entering into a conversation and a relationship with Him to the depth and to the level where he's ready and willing to release his secrets to you. He wants to release his secrets to you. Because when you hear his secrets and then you come into alignment with prayer, that's what changes things. He wants to change things around us. And I just want us to believe that, you know, we can change the direction of our nation. That's how I want us all to believe that. I want us to believe that, to really believe that so that now prayer is no longer a struggle that i got to try to squeeze in and schedule in, but I'm literally going to take a part of my, my day and I'm going to spend it seeking God and I'm going to seek God until I feel His presence and then I'm going to hear from God and then I'm going to pray and I'm going to come into agreement with heaven. I'm going to come into agreement with the will of God. 
And I said it intentionally, until you feel the presence of God. That was the one thing that the apostles all had in the New Testament. Is that Even it started that way in the upper room. They experienced the, the, the power and the presence of God. Now, whether the shaking came because of the wind was blowing or the devil's knees were knocking, I don't know. But they were shaken. Something happened to them. When they were in their prayer times, it wasn't this casual little thing that we do a lot of times in prayer. It's just, oh, let's just go pray and we talk, and then we move on to the next thing. I'm asking us as God's church to go to a deeper level. Let's get away from the milk and get into the meat. And the meat is us connecting with God and finding that connection and, 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 and not being willing to depart till I actually feel God's presence when I pray, when I'm there. When I worship, can I get at least a big amen? You, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, we saw these guys. And, and even the scripture said, I saw your heart. It was tender. It was humble. And I heard your prayer, and I'm moving with it. I'm going with it. Come on, let's make a change in our nation. Come on, by many or few, it doesn't matter to God if you'll just step into it. So stand to your feet if you would. Stand to your feet. Let's, let's. His presence starts and started with us at salvation. I'm going along, doing my own thing in life. Most of us were trying to do good things. I wasn't, but most of you probably were just clipping along living life, doing, trying to do good, be okay. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to come and knock on the door of your heart. And he wants to draw you in and reel you in. And out of that comes this in, in, intimate, personal encounter with your God, your maker, your creator. It says that you don't come to him unless he draws you. And when he draws you, you know it without a shadow of a doubt. I can tell you that you know it and you're knower. And this morning, if you're here and you're saying, you know, I've never really experienced that. I've just kind of been walking along. I've just been, you know, yeah, there's nice people. And yeah, it sounds, you know, most, most of this makes sense until you get to Revelation and Ezekiel. It's good. It all makes sense. It sounds nice. And that's where you're at, but you've never really had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Can I just invite you into that today? Step into that, cross the line. If you've never experienced that, just tell them this morning, God, I haven't experienced that. I want to. I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know in my, because he said he gives you a brand new heart. And, and, and you're maybe listening online, same thing. He just wants to give us a new heart. That's where it starts. It started with that kind of power, but it wasn't supposed to end then. Church, if you're a believer today, you should be still drawing into that type of presence. And even experiencing at times, you know, where you feel like God said, oh, I want to pull you away. And I want you to just pray. Oh, I'm busy, God. I want you to stop now and pray. And many of you probably have experienced that and probably maybe used to do it, but maybe kind of get away from it a little bit because we got too busy. And God's kindly trying to reel us back to that place of an intimate, personal relationship with him. Guess what? He's a banner over you. You have divine protection under the banner and, and God loves you with everything that's within you and he's already supplied you everything you need and 
now he's calling us as his church. Get a tender heart. Get a tender heart again so that you can meet with me and we can commune. And it's not just a you, again, reading and reciting a prayer or something. I hope this makes sense. Bow your heads. Let me just pray for you. Jesus, today we come to you, Lord, with complete surrender. We come to surrender our heart that we might be completely obedient to whatever you're pulling us into, whatever you're tugging on our heart for. God, we want to step into that. We do not want to be on the sidelines. We don't want to be, we don't want to miss out on heaven. God, we want to be right there with you. And you've provided that opportunity for us and your words are filled with all of these things. God, that instruct us. And God, today I pray every one of us will be moved either taking that step of asking Jesus Christ to come in, be the Lord of my life, take over my life. I give it to you. I surrender it all. Or whether it's just, Lord, believers that have become weary and well-doing or just distracted, God, that we would come back to you in this day we would find that place with you and we would meet with you and Father, you would be able to connect with us in that way that you long to connect with us. You're waiting for that opportunity. You're waiting for that opportunity. I pray your blessing and favor over us, God. I pray your health over each one of us, God. Protect us from uh, every virus that's out there, God. Protect us from everything that's uh, uh, attacking people's physical strength and health. And God, give us your wisdom. And God, we pray for our leaders. We pray, God, today that you would just continue to guide them prophetically. Lord, whether they know you or not, you run the nations. We pray you would release your power over the heart of every leader, Father. And Lord, distract and remove the ones that are totally against you and set in those that are willing to go towards you. Father, we pray that you would have mercy on our nation. Have mercy on America, God, we pray. And just come again, Father, with a, a great outpouring that just sweeps multitudes into the kingdom of God. Changes hearts and changes lives. Father, from the very re most rebellious ones, God, uh, Father, everyone would come to know you because that's your desire that we would all come to know you. And Father, we pray, God, against this whole issue of racism, God, which is surrounded with confusion. We ask, Father, that you would just begin to expose the confusion and remove it by the wind of the Holy Spirit today. God, we love you and we love one another. God, we love one another and we pray that that would be ended in Jesus' name before it causes more destruction. And we pray, God, that you would, Lord, in fact, just, uh, Lord, just work in all of us, God. <laughs> Make us tender again, oh God, towards you and towards your will and towards your purpose and toward people. Oh God, do that in our hearts. Help our eyes to see people differently when we go out of these doors. When we go to the workplace and we go to, God, the, the different businesses, God, help us to bring hope and light and life to these places. And God, we thank you for that. And we, we just commit ourselves to you afresh today in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees said, amen, amen, amen. amen.